When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. I know you're paying attention to global events as well as what's going on in our nation. War and increased conflict is bubbling up in more places. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833 833- 995 gold that's 833-995-GOLD, 833-995-G-O-L-D. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in Friday edition, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. I hope all of you are ready to roll into the weekend with me today, Buck. Would much rather be here, but he is in the process of moving into a new place in Florida. So he and Carrie are engaging in that always difficult task. He'll be back with me on Monday. It's just me and you rolling through on Friday, headed into the weekend. A little bit of a roadmap of where we're headed. Doug Burgum is going to join us at 1.30, North Dakota governor. Had a pretty solid, I thought, performance on the stage Wednesday night out in the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library, and he has not yet been on the program. I think he's the only person who was on the stage that has not yet been on the Clay and Buck show, who is running for president there in the Republican primary. So we will talk with him at 1.30. My friend Tommy Laren, Outkick employee, Fox News impresario, she will be on with us at 2.30. That is where we are headed. But we begin with some breaking news happened this morning that is going to have many different ripple effects going forward. And let's start with uh, condolences. Diane Feinstein, uh, 90 years old, longest serving woman senator in the history of the United States. She died, she passed this morning at the age of 90. Now, unfortunately, she has been in the news a great deal of late because... She hasn't had the mental faculties and been able to do her job as senator. And we've talked about this some on the program because in a tightly contested 51 to 49 Senate, and that's being generous because Joe Manchin, Kirsten Cinema aren't really reliable Democrat voters. Uh, as you know, Cinema now is an independent. Manchin has flirted with independence. There isn't really a tangible ma- ma- majority in the United States Senate. 
So now with uh, Robert Menendez under fire, demands for him to resign in New Jersey, Democrats are in peril there. And now with Dianne Feinstein's death, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, is forced to appoint a replacement for her. Now here's the challenge. Her tenure was set to expire next year. It was reckless of her to run and still be in office to this point. She did not have the ability to even make her own decisions in her own life, and she was still voting as a United States senator. She has a power of attorney that she signed over to her family members. That means that she was able to bind the United States by voting as a senator but she was not able to contractually bind herself as an individual in her own life. That's scary. She has a legacy. She was a very powerful senator. She has a long legacy of serving this country. But in the last several years, that legacy vanished to the point where she really didn't know what was going on from one moment to the next. And if you saw her speaking in committees, you could tell that she had no real idea what was taking place. And unfortunately, there are many different members of the United States government who are still in that position. Uh, Let's play. Let me play for you. Here is Joe Biden on Dianne Feinstein. Listen. I believe that's cut. I want to say a brief word about Senator Dianne Feinstein, who passed away this morning. She was a historic figure trailblazer for women and a great friend. Diane made her mark in everything from national security to the environment, gun safety to protecting civil liberties. The country's going to miss her dearly, and so will Jill and I. I have more to say about her later today. Okay, here's the reality. And I think it's hard not to think about this when you hear Joe Biden talking about Diane Feinstein. She shouldn't have run for the last term of office in the Senate. It was reckless for her to do so. She was elected at 84 or 85 years old for that final six-year term. I feel like that same thing is going to happen with Joe Biden. And and I hate that you have to have this conversation, but it is of paramount importance that the leaders of this country have the physical and mental ability to be able to do the jobs. So we'll talk about Joe Biden here in a moment, but in the short term, Politically, this is a mess for Gavin Newsom because Gavin Newsom, governor of California, has come out and said the same thing that Joe Biden said, which is he'll only pick a black woman to replace this particular absence. If you'll remember, Joe Biden, when he was campaigning in February of 2020, said that on the Supreme Court, he would only place a black woman. That is how we ended up with Katanji Brown-Jackson Uh, as the newest Supreme Court justice. Well, Gavin Newsom said the same thing. I believe we have audio of him saying, if I need to make an appointment, it will be a black woman. Listen. If, in fact, Dianne Feinstein uh, were to retire, uh, will you nominate an African-American woman um, to restore the seat that Kamala Harris is no longer in the United States Senate? And do you have a name in mind? I have multiple names in mind. Uh, we, We have multiple names in mind, and the answer is yes. Okay, so he has now done the same thing that Joe Biden 
did, which is commit to racism and sexism as the sole factor upon which he is going to make a determination to pick someone to replace Dianne Feinstein, just as Joe Biden did for a Supreme Court justice. To me, this it's hard to find a more perfect representation of the identity politics taking over of the Democrat Party than these two decisions in concert. Because beyond a shadow of a doubt, they are sexist and racist. 94% of Americans are not black women. That means that Joe Biden and Gavin Newsom are both saying at the outset, 94% of the American population I will not consider for these jobs. And when they make that comment, what they are saying is that you should be judged entirely by something that you did not choose. This is important. None of us choose our gender. None of us with functional brains. Certainly not at birth. And we also don't choose our race. Those are things that we are born with. To me, your race and your gender are two of the least interesting things about you because they say nothing about the individual choices in life that you are made, making. But also when you are saying that we are going to completely eliminate all criteria other than your race and your gender, as now Joe Biden and Gavin Newsom both have said for filling incredibly important roles in the United States government. What you are saying is you're simultaneously being sexist and racist directly while cutting the legs out from under the person that you are selecting. Look at what Trump did. In 2016, and I think this was a big reason why Trump won, there's a lot of nervousness about what he might do with the Supreme Court. I think one of the most brilliant things Trump did in his 2016 campaign was he said, hey, here's a list of all the highly qualified judges that I will consider in the event that there is a Supreme Court vacancy. And he put that list out and it was well vetted. Federalist Society had done a good job picking excellent candidates. And he said, here's the list. Look at it. And ultimately, Trump picked judges off the list. Joe Biden could have done that. Gavin Newsom could do that now. They could say, hey, here's a list of all the people that I'm considering for Supreme Court. Here's a list of all the people that I'm considering for this Senate vacancy. And we could all go look at that list. Media out there could do their deep dive. Politically, everybody could argue in favor of whomever they think is the best choice. And then... If Joe Biden or Gavin Newsom had picked a black woman, they could step in front of the cameras alongside of their choice and they could argue they looked at the whole list and they picked the most qualified candidate. They picked the best man, the best woman that was on that list in their opinion. And you or I might not agree with that. We might even say, well, this is still identity politics. But the nominee would not have been selected entirely based on her race or her gender. When you say, I'm only going to pick someone of a particular race or a particular gender, it is both racist and sexist 
It also delegitimizes at the moment that you select them, the person that you are putting into that office. Because you aren't even giving the indication that that person was the best available for the job. You are playing naked identity politics. You are engaging in racism and sexism. And this fires me up. Because it is a direct refutation of everything that America stands for. The idea that the meritocracy should govern who ends up in positions of power. The best man or the best woman should win. By the way, not the best man pretending to be a woman, but that's an entirely different story. Already Gavin Newsom has stripped away the legitimacy of whomever he selects for the Senate because he is saying, I'm not picking the best man or the best woman, I'm picking a black woman. And you can't even argue that that black woman is being selected and believes, and Gavin Newsom believes that she is the best person for the job because he's already said he's not even going to consider 94% of the American population for that job. This is everything that's wrong with identity politics, which has taken over the Democrat Party. And ultimately, the irony here is Gavin Newsom knows it. Because Gavin Newsom, this is why I said yesterday, Gavin Newsom wants Trump to win because he knows that the politics of his own party make it almost impossible for him to end up a presidential nominee if Kamala Harris is sitting there because by his own standing and his own decisions, it would be racist and sexist for Kamala Harris not to be the 2028 Democrat Party nominee for president. In saying that he's only going to pick a black woman, this should be a disqualifying moment of electoral politics for anyone if we truly cared about having an American society that is equal for everyone. The way to solve issues of racism in America is not by engaging in direct issue of racism. Racism doesn't cure racism. I'm going to tell you a story in a little bit about a book that I bet all of you read that has now been rejected by the Democrat Party. It's called To Kill a Mockingbird. The entire purpose of To Kill a Mockingbird was the idea that we all should be judged based on what is and is not true, regardless of what our gender or our race might be. I bet every single person almost listening to me right now, at some point, 7th, 8th, ninth grade, 10th grade, in school, you were probably assigned To Kill a Mockingbird. The Democrat Party is now the villains of the book To Kill a Mockingbird because they believe all that should matter when it comes to judging truth, justice, fairness in American society is the identity of the individuals involved, not the facts and the truth. I'm fired up about this. By the way, it's Friday, so we're going to be taking a lot of your calls. 800-282-2882. All of you can dive in. And you can share your opinions as well on a variety of different subjects across the land. If we've said something this week that you disagree with, you can come and make the case of why Buck or myself was wrong. It is open forum Friday. 800-282-2882. Will we see a new currency system introduced by the Biden administration before the end of the year? According to former Wall Street insider, digital currency expert Tika Tawari, 
That could well happen. We might see members of the Biden administration introducing a digital dollar new to all of us. The business publication Business Insiders also confirmed this, quote, the U.S. Treasury's efforts to create a U.S. digital currency could be imminent. Tika Tawari believes the official announcement could come sometime this fall. That's why he's posted an online video to help you prepare. See it at a website set up just for this purpose. Go to dollarrecall.com to watch the video the mainstream media doesn't want you to see and to learn how to opt out of this digital dollar. Again, dollarrecall.com, paid for by Palm Beach Research Group. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries. Well, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claim for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors so you pay only what you owe you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills to date HealthLock has helped its members save over 130 million dollars bottom line insurance alone isn't enough to save visit healthlock.com do it today before you see another health care provider that's healthlock.com Nowadays, 20 bucks barely gets you a burger and fries or maybe a quarter tank of gas. You know what it will get you, though? For $20 a month, you can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data from my cell phone company, Pure Talk. You'll get the same quality of service as AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile, but for half the cost, the average size family saves almost $1,000 a year, all with no contracts and no activation fees. You can keep your cell phone number and your phone or get great deals on the latest iPhones and Androids. Make the switch today and save an additional 50% off your first month. Choose a wireless company who shares our values, who supports our military and veterans, creates American jobs, and refuses to advertise on fake news networks. Go to puretalk.com slash buck to switch today so you can actually afford that burger and fries. That's puretalk.com slash buck. 
Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Buck is out moving today. He will be back with us on Monday. I'm joined now by North Dakota Governor, uh, who did really well, I thought, on the stage on Wednesday, Doug Burgum. Governor, what has the reaction been uh, from Wednesday's debate so far as you can tell? Well, first of all, Clay, great to be on with you. But while the reaction's been terrific, uh, I think people are like, uh, two things, which is uh, this guy's got a lot to say about economy, energy, and national security. And then the second thing they're saying is, you know, why was Fox uh, News trying to shut him down, threatening to cut off his microphone because he's got something to add to the conversation? So uh, before we get into Wednesday, the first debate, I don't know that I know the full story. You were playing basketball with your uh, with your staff and you injured yourself. How? What's the what? I, that was one of the most amazing things I thought to happen before <laughs> the Milwaukee debate. I don't know what you had spent on running for election, but getting injured playing pickup <laughs> basketball was probably the one thing on the uh, on the board that you did not have uh, contemplated. What happened there? Well, first of all, I've played basketball my entire life, and I've been blessed with having, uh, I've got enormous gratitude for my legs. I mean, between, you know, marathons, 10Ks, basketball, 35 years of uh, organized softball, all the stuff I've done, barefoot water skating, climbing mountains, never have had a knee or ankle injury. So, hey, we're, I'm, we're, in, we're in Milwaukee, the debate's at the Buck Stadium, we got Mar- Marquette, basketball powerhouse and they're like we're going to get a chance to go play shoot some hoops over at marquette i'm like i'm in uh and so we're over there uh and you know it went from uh you know shooting around a horse to hey let's play some pickup uh a little more competitive and then got going anyway I ended up blowing my achilles it completely ruptured it and this is like 28 hours before the debate so i don't know if you heard it, in the first debate i was it was named the best presidential debate performance ever by an individual standing on one leg so hold on. What's your staff's reaction when you go down and you're like, I think I tore my Achilles? Like, could you tell immediately? Did you feel a pop? I mean, this feels like something that would happen in a television show because I can only imagine your staff. Did anybody like <laughs> bump into you? Did anybody try to challenge a shot? Was it non-contact? I got to know how this happened. Well, I, you know, having played ball my whole life uh, and having do some really fun peak experience, like going to the Michael Jordan basketball camp in 1998, right after he won his sixth championship, my coaches there were Dean Smith and John Thompson. I mean, that is so badass. That is awesome. Yeah, it's been a great sport. But I three times in my career, having played, you know, organized league ball, you know, winning state tournament tournaments for the, you know, under 30, over 30, over 50, all this stuff. I three times I've been on the court when people blown their Achilles each time they went down, no one was near them. Each time they were on the floor and they said, somebody kicked me who kicked me. Yeah. And I went down, I went down, I was trying to break the other guy's ankles, put on a move. Boom. I go down and I, they said what I, the first thing I said was who kicked me. Yeah. And, and I heard myself say that. And then they said, did you sprain your ankle? And I said, no, I ruptured my Achilles. And they're like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You're okay. Walk it off. Walk it off. I said, no, I, I ruptured my Achilles. And they're like, how do you know? Because this is apparently what people say when they rupture their Achilles. And now when you have it, and then it's national news, not quite like Aaron Rodgers. I didn't make Yeah, what did you think when you Aaron. saw Aaron Rodgers? I mean, uh, that had to be well, like, a, I mean, I imagine your recovery process while you're on the, on the trail is, is super difficult as well. Yeah, it is. And then somebody showed me the close-up video of you could actually see the ripple in the sock. And I yeah. thought, 
kind of turned my stomach a little bit. So I only watched that once, but yeah, that's exactly what it feels. It feels like a little bit like someone just took a hatchet and hit you in the back of the calf when you weren't looking. But anyway, we're, we, uh, you know, we have a phrase in North Dakota, cowboy up. I mean, I had 24 hours and people said, oh, you're not going to be able to stand up there for two hours. And I said, I got one good leg. I can do that. So that's what we did on the first one. But this one was a lot more fun because I was not in extreme pain. <laughs> like I was during the first debate. Oh. So here's what I love about uh, what I have been able to glean from you so far. Uh, you have an incredible business background. I still think a lot of our audience doesn't know you. So I'm going to ask you to give like a quick bio for this audience. But you have an incredible business background. You've built, I think I'm correct in this, a multi-billion dollar business uh, in a place where I don't think a lot of people contemplate multi-billion dollar tech businesses being built in North Dakota. I'm curious how you did that. And then you have used that business knowledge, which is what I love because you've had to make, make, make payroll and you've had to understand the challenges that come with running a uh, for-profit business, which frankly, most politicians haven't. You've translated those skills to running a state efficiently. I like that combo. I think to a large extent, that's what Trump was able to uh, to appeal to. Obviously, he had no political background before, but how has business aided you in your political career and quickly, your background for people out there listening to us right now that may not still be that familiar with you. Well, thank you, Clay. Quick story is I uh, grew up in a town of 300 people. This town had, you know, gravel streets, uh, one paved road, the state highway running through it, not a computer in the town. Fabulous place to grow up. Every job I had working at the farm, the ranch, the grain elevator, uh, you know, started a little construction company, putting up steel bins with buddies like when we were in high school. Uh, you know, actually worked as a chimney sweep to pay my way through North Dakota State undergrad. All of that stuff was jobs where I took a shower at the end of the day. I mean, I understand what it is to get up and work and work all day long in, you know, really some of the like they, they, some of the jobs I had at the elevator should be on the episode of World's Dirtiest Jobs. Anyway, you do that. You understand and appreciate what it's like to, you know, for a paycheck. When I'm 13 years old, my dad dies. He's a World War II Navy vet. My mom had to go back to work, widow three kids. I know what it's like to have economic insecurity and for somebody, a single mom working to do that. Now, fast forward, I'm in my mid-20s, and I got 160 acres of farm ground, which is in dry land wheat farming. That's not enough to actually farm. You can't be a farmer in North Dakota. You need 1,000. Those days, 1,000 acres, now it's thousands to be able to have an economic unit for, for dry land farming. But I had that ground, and I had, I'd seen my first Apple II computer, and I'm like, that's going to change the world. So I literally took a mortgage out on the farm. I bet the farmland I got for my dad, which you'd never do. That's a giant no-no when it's been, you know, homesteaded and paid for. You know, you, but I did it, and that was the capital. You couldn't get venture capital in those days. No one had heard of a software company. We started with less than 10 people, and we beat it, built a 2,000-person company. We had a great run as a public company, got acquired for $1.1 billion. Uh, and then I stayed there and, and then continued to build that into even a much larger business as part of a as part of a larger operation. So I've had people working for me in 120 countries, customers all over the world in some of the largest, you know, employees working for me in the largest cities, places where you didn't have the I, I had team members that didn't have the right to vote. They didn't have the right to assemble, right to bear arms. I mean, you build an appreciation for this country when you see what the rest of the world is. But that having that experience and then saying, hey, I'm going to run for governor. People said, oh, you can't win. You've never done it. You're down 50 points in the poll. We ended up winning in 16 and in 2020 by over 40 points, largest margins of any governor races in the country in those years we won by because we just said, hey, we're going to bring, we're going to treat the taxpayer like a customer. We're going to have a, a technology background, how we're going to make government 
services more efficient and effective, and we're going to serve everybody. We're not just working for the party that elected us, because when you get elected, we're in the executive branch. You work for everybody. Everybody drives on the roads. When we have a blizzard in North Dakota, which, by the way, is the size of all six New England states, when we have a blizzard, we plow the roads for the independents, the Democrats, the Republicans, uh, you name it. We're plowing the roads for everybody, and that's what it is for all the stuff, our schools, our you know, health care, all the stuff we're involved in. I don't know how this became so divisive and politicized. Right. Do that in Congress. Put on a jersey, red jersey, blue jersey, and, uh, you know, and throw bombs at each other. But the executive branch has got to be red, white, and blue. We gotta, we're doing it for everybody. Do you think Joe Biden's going to be the Democrat nominee? Uh, if he's alive, yeah, he will be. I mean, I, I, I think the, the, the only scenario in the possible world would be somehow, which is an impossible thing, so I think it's near zero, but if somehow Donald Trump uh, was not in the race or just said, hey, I'm going to you know, take my billions and go you know, retire or do something, if he said he was going to be out, they'd be in a panic because the one thing that's holding the Democrat Party together is our former president because they use – him for fundraising. They use him for getting out the vote. Uh, they use him for, you know, motivating their base. And and I, I think Biden doesn't exist without Trump in 2024. I mean, I, they would, without Trump, I think, you know, there, because uh, that's the one person that they think they can be. That's, he, they can, he can be the rallying cry for the Democrats to win. And so it's, it's just an interesting thing. But I'm not, I'm not a pundit. I'm not running to be a pundit. I'm running to be president. I'm running against Joe Biden and Joe Biden's policies on economy, energy and national security are completely 100 percent, 180 degrees in the wrong direction. And that's why we've got this high inflation and high interest rates. That's why we're, you know, out, you know, we're trying to kill the U.S. energy industry and we're empowering dictators, uh, you know, buy EV batteries from China. And then when you kill the U.S. oil industry, I guess we'll just buy all of our oil and gas from Venezuela and uh, in OPEC, because the demand for energy globally is not going down. When you kill the U.S. energy industry, other people replace it. Russia, Venezuela, OPEC, these guys replace that production, and it makes the they produce it dirtier than we do. So these environmentalists that think they're saving the world by driving an EV or shutting down a pipeline in the U.S., all it does is just displace demand, displace demand, that demand comes from people that don't have EPAs, that don't care about the environment the way we do, and the world gets the the world environment becomes worse. And so that's why I say 180 degrees. If you cared about the environment, you would be insisting that we build pipelines in the U.S., that we use clean U.S. energy, that we have every drop and every electron made in our country, not someplace else. And and then of course if we do that. That's how we win the Cold War with China, because China imports. 10 million barrels of oil a day. The one tool we could use to win a Cold War with China is food security and energy security. And our diplomats, the four cabinet leaders that have been there, don't even bring those two topics up because they're too busy trying to regulate our own country out of, out of business. I asked you about Biden. You obviously would be running against him in theory if he were there. But Donald Trump is a prohibitive favorite right now. Why are you a better choice than Donald Trump? Well, I think that the... The real answer lies here in having competition for the Republican Party, and the voters in Iowa and New Hampshire are going to get to decide that. When I look at the polls in New Hampshire and I say, hey, if you got the leader at 42 percent, that means 58 percent of the people today, three months before, they don't even have all – there's lots of new information. You know, you're people like you that didn't may not have heard of me two weeks ago. Everybody in the country has all the information they can on Donald Trump. You can't really add more information into it. Every voter's already made up their mind. So between now and January, 
those 58% of the people that are looking around for alternatives, that's a majority. You know, ignore the national polls. There isn't campaigns happening nationally. They're happening in Iowa and New Hampshire right now. That's the real signal, not the noise. And, and those folks are looking, and there's a lot of new information we can put in to say, hey, here's someone, as you said, that's got, you know, we're, I've been making payroll every two weeks since my mid-20s. I've created more jobs than all those other candidates that I was on the stage on with the other night, and likely the former president himself with all the companies that I've been involved with in the job creation. And, and they're high-paying jobs with meaning is what I've been involved in in the tech industry. And now we're in a world where every job, every company, and every industry is changing. We're in a cyber war every day. Wouldn't it be amazing to have someone in the White House that actually understood what, what it meant to be a working American and have somebody who understood the technology of what it's going to take for us to improve our military, secure our borders, and, and, and supercharge our economy? That would be cool. And I hear that from all the time. And people are like, why don't we just get a common guy to actually run who knows he's got high executive function who's proven he can get it done at the state level. And in North Dakota, we've got the highest GDP of any Republican-led state. We're on track to have the highest in the country. We've got among the highest education scores. We aren't having the issues that folks are having in some of these large cities. We understand borders, a 360-mile border with, with Canada. And I, and I had software in 1989. My software was getting stolen by China. Some people discovered China you know, in the last month. You know, what I've been saying for a long time, we're in a Cold War with China because they were stealing my software 34 years ago. Uh, I walked into a street market in China, and there was Great Plains software for a buck, for a five-and-a-quarter-inch floppy in 1989. They've stolen trillions from us. So someone who's got the experience I have and the ability to mobilize great, high-performing teams, uh, you know, I think it's an interesting thing. And voters voters are going to get a chance to decide in Iowa, New Hampshire, if they think that's interesting in January. He's Doug Burgum, governor of North Dakota. If people want to find out more, where should they go online? DougBurgum.com. Outstanding stuff. I appreciate you coming on. Good luck uh, as this process continues to play itself out, Governor. Clay, love to be back on. Thanks for letting me uh, run and introduce myself to your audience, but appreciate everything you're doing and appreciate the opportunity to be on with you, and thank you for those nice comments you made the other night. Uh, everybody in my family uh, was just wants me to say thank you, Clay. Well, I hope you th- I thank you your family for those kind words, and also good luck recovering on that Achilles. I mean, that has to be crazy to be traveling and working as hard as you can while you're recovering simultaneously. And I hope you get back on the basketball court soon. Well, thank you, and I would want to say, I'm if anybody wants to have a contest on who's got the strongest right leg, I'm I'm ready to go right now. <laughs> after, after five weeks on one leg, but uh, we'll be back for sure. We'll thank let's you. Slow it down. Thank you. Yeah, no doubt. I want to tell you, I live here in Tennessee. You guys know that, and I love preserving memories. I was just talking about going to Epcot, seeing President Ronald Reagan when I was four or five years old. My mom said, she texted me, she was listening, she's down on the Florida Gulf Coast right now on the beach. She said the way she kept track of me was she could see my red little tennis shoes when I was all the way up at the front uh, of that rope line. There are a lot of pictures of me in those old red tennis shoes from back in the 1980s. I want to preserve those forever. Uh, They're old photographs. There's also old videos of my family. We've taken advantage of Legacy Box. You can too. They're based in my mom's hometown of Chattanooga, Tennessee. I spent a lot of time down there when I was a kid. And you know the guys at Legacy Box? They have the largest collection of VHS tapes and of VCRs, probably anywhere in the world because they're constantly preserving your old tapes and old photos and turn them into digital files. 10 years in business, they've helped over a million families 
save, and relive their best memories forever. Visit LegacyBox.com slash Clay. You'll get 40% off. That's LegacyBox.com slash Clay. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Friday edition of the program. Talking about Gavin Newsom saying that he is only going to appoint a black woman to the United States Senate. It's a choice that will have to be made soon, probably, because we're dealing with the looming impact, potentially, of a government shutdown. You might be out there saying, you and Buck, you really haven't talked that much about it. Yeah, because it's going to eventually get resolved. I I, I just, the, the, the idea that the day-by-day nuts and bolts, nitty-gritty of government shutdowns is really going to impact things in a substantial way. If we end up with a shutdown this weekend, I think within the next 10 days or so, we'll shut down, we'll end, and everybody who wasn't working will get paid back pay, and everything basically will be the exact same. So we haven't spent a lot of time on that. But it is indicative, I think, of the rotten core of the modern Democrat Party that identity politics is all that matters. That you could even say, I'm only going to appoint a black woman to this job, eliminating 94% of people from consideration for that job in the process, while also delegitimizing your ultimate pick because you aren't saying she's the best person for the job, you're saying she's the best black woman for the job, which means she only beat out 6% of the population, not 100% of the population. But when you think about it, this is an analogy that I think is so important. And I don't hear it made. And so I'm going to hammer this home for you. I bet every single person listening to me right now read To Kill a Mockingbird at some point when you were in school. And if you didn't read it, I bet your kids or grandkids read it. Nearly 100% penetration rate. It is by many statistical measures, when they test these things, the most popular novel ever written in the history of the United States. Harper Lee, To Kill a Mockingbird, came out in 1960. For those of you who don't remember the basic plot, the basic plot is this. A black man, Tom Robinson, is accused of raping a white woman, Mayella Yule. And Atticus Finch is the southern attorney in small-town Alabama, who is defending Tom Robinson in the 1930s in the Jim Crow South. And his daughter, Scout, is the first-person narrator of this story. All of the evidence reveals that Mayella Yule made up the rape. Tom Robinson never raped her at all. But under the existing identity politics of 1930s Alabama, of a pre-civil rights South, an all-white jury convicted Tom Robinson of rape. Something that he did not do. Why did they convict him? Entirely because of his race. The white woman had to be believed over the black man because those were the identity politics rules of the pre-civil rights South. That was wrong. Scout, this young narrator 
of To Kill a Mockingbird is astounded that truth and justice does not ultimately prevail and that what matters is not the facts of a case, but your race in that case. What Democrats are doing is the exact same thing that the racist jury in To Kill a Mockingbird did. They are putting identity above all else. They aren't taking America into a better future. They are taking America into an awful past. This is really important. And I was thinking about it a lot this morning when I was doing my prep for the show and I saw those quotes from Gavin Newsom and I thought to myself, here we go again. Joe Biden said, I'm only going to put a black woman on the Supreme Court. He did it. Now Gavin Newsom is saying, I'm only going to put a black woman on the United States Senate. I think he's probably going to do it. The modern day Democrat Party is racist. They are the exact same identity politics people who existed in the 1930s. In the 1940s, in the 1950s, in the American South in particular. They aren't elevating America to a place where your own success is determined by your own level of excellence, by the content of your character, not by the color of your skin. They're taking us back into a pre-civil rights era in America where all that matters is the color of your skin. And this, of course, is building on what happened to Brett Kavanaugh when we were all told, hashtag believe all women. This is an important truth. Men lie. Women lie. White people lie. Black people lie. Asian people lie. Hispanic people lie. Heterosexual people lie. Homosexual people lie. Trans people lie. All humans lie. That's why in the ideal version of justice, Lady Justice standing with the scales, she wears a blindfold. Why is she wearing a blindfold? Because she doesn't want the identity to impact how she weighs the scales of justice. That's what we aspired to in court, in justice itself. That is why Lady Justice is blind. What we are now recreating is a world where facts do not matter, where there is no analysis whatsoever of who is telling the truth, but where instead the scales of justice are impacted entirely based on the identity of the individuals involved in a case. I'm not here to tell you that American justice is perfect. Certainly it's not. That's what Harper Lee was pointing out when she wrote her book in 1960 about the pre-civil rights South. 
that America was failing to live up to the benedictions and appeals of the Declaration of Independence. That our more perfect union had not been created where equality and meritocracy dominated. And Democrats have just given up on that notion. And they are nakedly embracing the argument that whether you are telling the truth is a function not of facts, but of your identity. Whether it was with Brett Kavanaugh and his accusers, hashtag believe all women. You all know. Some women lie. Some men lie. You can never believe somebody based on their sex. You also can't believe anyone based on their gender. It's the same thing as sex. Based on their race. Based on their sexuality. Every single identity group has liars and truth tellers. And that is, to me, the root cancer of American society today. It's that we don't decide in much of the American body politic whether someone is innocent or guilty, whether they are right or wrong, based on analyzing all the facts and trying to be like Lady Justice and strip away all of our preconceived notion. That's why I became a lawyer. To try to be able to find the truth in the adversarial system of our courtroom, of our justice system in general. We don't do that anymore. And it all ties together. You can see that's what's going on with Donald Trump. That's why he's being charged. You can add politics in. If Donald Trump had run as a Democrat, he would have never been charged with any of these crimes. Donald Trump is being prosecuted because of his identity as a Republican. Many of you out there, you know what I heard most often when I was on my book tour? Most often, I heard people came up to me, they said, you say what I wish I could say. We live in an America where the culture of fear is so prevalent that every single one of you listening to me right now has had an opinion at some point in the last decade that you were afraid to put on Facebook, that you were afraid to share at work, that you were afraid to actually make public because you knew that based on your identity, you might lose your job. You might not be able to pay your mortgage. You might not be able to afford to pay for your kids to go to community college or to go to college or to go try to gain some skill and trade that you're helping to raise them for. That's wrong. And it's all rooted in identity politics, which is the toxic cancer of the Democrat Party, and it must be destroyed. But right now, they're not even hiding it. They're saying to you, straight out in the open, Gavin Newsom, who wants to be the next president of the United States for Democrats, I'm picking someone because she's a black woman. And you know what they'll use as their justification? If Gavin Newsom were coming on this program right now, you know why he'd say he's doing it? Because of the legacy of racism. Guess what? You don't cure racism with more racism. Look, you know right now, it's 50% less testosterone all over this country. Biden White House, 
place where they make racist and sexist decisions every single day. Probably the lowest amount of testosterone in the history of this country. I wish I could send him a bunch of chalk. I would do it right now. Truckloads of chalk. You remember when they wanted to drop all the broccoli off? Because George W. Bush didn't like broccoli. I'd like to drop off testosterone at the White House. I think it'd make a big difference. Couldn't hurt. Biden's got no energy anyway. A little bit of testosterone make a big difference. 50% less than your grandfather's and your great-grandfather's had. You know if you take the all-natural supplements at chalk, you can have 20% more in as little. In as little as three months. You take the chalk all-natural testosterone supplement. And you will have 20% more testosterone in your life. That's more vim. That's more vigor. That's more vitality. That's less Joe Biden-like behavior in your life. All you have to do is go to choq.com. That's choq.com. And you get 35% off everything that you buy for life. That is choq.com. Chalk.com. 35% off for life. Do it today. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries. Well, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claim for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors so you pay only what you owe you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills to date HealthLock has helped its members save over 130 million dollars bottom line insurance alone isn't enough to save visit healthlock.com do it today before you see another health care provider that's healthlock.com Nowadays, 20 bucks barely gets you a burger and fries or maybe a quarter tank of gas. You know what it will get you, though? For $20 a month, you can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data from my cell phone company, Pure Talk. You'll get the same quality of service as AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile, but for half the cost. The average size family saves almost $1,000 a year, all with no contracts and no activation fees. You can keep your cell phone number and your phone 
or get great deals on the latest iPhones and Androids. Make the switch today and save an additional 50% off your first month. Choose a wireless company who shares our values, who supports our military and veterans, creates American jobs, and refuses to advertise on fake news networks. Go to puretalk.com slash buck to switch today so you can actually afford that burger and fries. That's puretalk.com slash buck. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. I'll take some of your calls to close up the show uh, on the Friday edition here. 800-282-2882 in a little bit, so load up those lines. But in the meantime, joined by my good friend Tommy Laren. She does a fabulous show with OutKick. She has been up in New York City, and my understanding is that you are currently attempting to get to the airport amid the flooded situation uh, in New York City. What's it like in the streets uh, right now, Tommy? It's not great. And, you know, Clay, you and I both live in Nashville, so we're used to a little bit of rain. New York, not used to a little bit of rain. I will tell you that much. And apparently it's a real feat to fly out of LaGuardia when it is sprinkling. That's what I have learned today. So, you know, God willing, I will get back to Nashville, and I'm not sure I'll ever leave again, to be honest with you. (laughs) So your good friend Gavin Newsom is in the news on a variety of different fronts. Uh, I am fascinated by so many of them. Let's start here. What do you think of Gavin Newsom pledging that he's only going to put a black woman in to replace Dianne Feinstein, who has obviously died this morning, but they're already talking about who her replacement is. So I have a conspiracy theory for you because I've been thinking about this one. The way that they get around this, right? Now, I know this would be a crazy feat. I know that this would this would involve, uh, you know, a, a lot of technicalities, and I'm not sure it's even constitutionally possible, but I immediately thought, aha, he appoints Kamala Harris, gets her out of the way. Joe doesn't run. Gavin Newsom runs for president. I've been trying to figure out the puzzle of how Gavin Newsom is going to assume the role as the Democrat nominee. And you know what? I don't know if it's constitutionally possible, but when I heard this, I'm thinking maybe Kamala goes back to the Senate. They get rid of her, the huge liability. Then they don't need Joe anymore because then they don't have to worry about Kamala. So I'm trying to I'm trying to mass the math in my head. And if it okay. was possible, I think it would be masterful. Okay, so let's let's pretend that that is a plan or that is an idea. What it would require on some level, because we talked about the idea a little bit earlier in the show, is that Kamala Harris is self-aware enough to realize that she's basically the Dan Quayle of the Democrat Party, that she has, with her tenure as vice president, guaranteed that she can't ever be president. And so she would say, okay, I'll go back to the Senate Probably she could serve there like Dianne Feinstein did for the rest of her life until she wanted to decide she didn't want to be in politics anymore. Is Kamala self-aware enough to even recognize how damaged her political standing is? Or do you think she still thinks she's going to be the first woman to be president of the United States? I don't know if she's self-aware, but I think the people around her are in no uncertain terms going to sit her down and say this. Kamala, you are even less likable than the vegetable that's currently serving. You cannot win. We are going to get rid of Joe. We cannot run you as president because you will lose. You will lose to Donald Trump. It will be an embarrassment for you. You will never be able to be in politics or in a position of power again after losing in such a big way. So your best option is to take this role and go out with some grace, make it look like it was your idea, and then you can serve in this Senate seat, you know, in perpetuity for the rest of your life, whatever that looks like. I think that that's a conversation they can have with her. 
Do you think the Republican race is over for who's going to be the nominee in 2024? I, I've just firmly, do I believe it's going to be Gavin Newsom? No, 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 for the Republican side. Do you think Trump oh. has got it locked up? Like, is this thing over? No, no, I don't think so. And I know a lot of people think it is because I look at polls, but I'm looking at state by state. And, you know, I know it's going to be, it would be a, a big accomplishment. It's a big task for Ron DeSantis, but I don't rule him out yet. And I do believe he's doing better in Iowa than the polls would suggest. And I think state by state, it's going to be very interesting to see how well he does, uh, especially because. You know, the Trump indictments and the mugshot, they're waning right now. He doesn't really have anything that's keeping him front and center. So I think that policy is going to take over and electability might take over. So I think this is still definitely a possibility. It's going to be a hard road, but I don't rule out Ron DeSantis as of now. Okay, who's the Democrat going to be? Newsom, 100%. I just, I'm, I'm holding to that conviction. There's no reason for him to be doing what he's doing. He's already running a shadow campaign. And I, when he says over and over again he's not going to run, what he means is I'm not going to challenge Joe. It's not going to be a challenge. It's going to be an installment. I've held that for months now, and I'm not backing away from it. Have you been – we're talking to Tommy Laren, by the way. I encourage you to go check out her Outkick show. She kills it every single day at streams. You can also see her quite frequently on Fox News as well. Do you have a strong take on Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey <laughs> – uh, for everybody out there who's like, oh my God, why would you ask about this? It remains probably the number one story of the week. Taylor Swift is going to New York City. It's technically New Jersey, but to watch the Chiefs play against the Jets this weekend, if you thought you saw her a lot last weekend, her being in the New York area is going to put it on steroids. What's your take on this relationship? And do you who do you find less likable in this relationship? Do you find them both likable? How would you assess I find them both likable. I don't buy this relationship for a second, though. I don't buy that it's a real thing. I mean, when you look at the footage of them, they look so awkward. It, it looks really staged to me. I think that he's a big fan. I think that she wants to date uh, a man that's not wearing skinny jeans and doesn't cry. So I think that she's giving this a go because it's so foreign to her and it excites her to be with like a man that's manly or, you know, at least more manly than what she's used to. And I think that it excites him that, you know, he could say he's dating Taylor Swift. That's a good story to have. But I don't think it's a real relationship. I do think, though, if it's stimulating the economy, as Taylor Swift has done, I'm all for it. And, you know, I I like a little Midwest stimulation, too. If Kansas City is getting a little more attention because of Taylor Swift, that's okay with me. Let's let it play out as long as it can. Okay, so what about as the girl here? The reason I think it's super weird and I don't buy into it is I think it's way too overeager to be sitting next to Travis Kelsey's mom in public like this, not only for that game where you know the cameras are going to be on you, but also then to go to New York City and continue to sit next to the mom. I know you've dated guys off and on. For me, introducing a girl to my mom would be something I wouldn't want to do unless I had been dating somebody for a fairly significant amount of time. Does it seem way over eager to you that she's in the mom's suite sitting next to mom and they've dated for like, you know, a few weeks? That's why I don't buy that this thing is real. So it seems much more like a, a mutually beneficial friendship. I don't buy that this is like some romantic connection or that they're actually boyfriend and girlfriend. I think they've gone out a couple of times. I think it's fun for them. It's intriguing. But no, I think that 
and, and her in that suite, I mean, I'm glad she looked so excited. I wouldn't have taken her as somebody that knows what's going on enough to cheer for things. I think she looked around and waited for everybody else to cheer. That's the impression that I got. Um, not saying that I wouldn't be the same way, but I just don't, I don't buy any of this. I think this is going to peter out in a couple of weeks, but if it can sell some jerseys and it can get some Swifties excited about football, that's okay with me. I, I think we just, we let it ride and we enjoy it because there's a lot of horrible things going on in the world. So I guess if we can just put on the rose colored glasses and talk about Taylor Swift, maybe that's good for everybody's sanity. Big news today. You went to UNLV. Um, I don't know how much attention you paid. I think uh, the, the Tupac shooting almost happened before you were born. I think you were like three years old when it happened. Um, but I bet it was still talked about some in Las Vegas because it was a big unsolved murder. Do you think they actually caught Tupac's killer? Uh, that would be really exciting if that were the case. I mean, I love some true crime. Um, I'm not sure. I, I couldn't speak to the validity of that, but I will tell you, living in Las Vegas for many years, we knew the, the gas station, and it was actually pretty close to UNLV. So it's always been you know, a part of Vegas culture, as many things are. So I think, I think again, very interesting. I couldn't tell you the validity of it or if they really did it, but... Uh, another great news story to distract from all the horrible things that are happening to our country. Okay, last question for you as we roll into the weekend. Um, you don't you you've been one of the foremost people in saying Joe Biden's not going to run. Lay out how it happens for us. Call your shot here uh, on the biggest radio show in the country. We will flag it. If you're right, you get to come back on and take a victory lap. I am. I agree with you. Buck is on the other side. We have a big stake bet over this. Buck thinks that Biden is going to be the nominee. If he's not going to be the nominee, how does he step down? What is the process by which Biden says, hey, I'm not running in 24 in your mind? Well, I think it's just it's the age thing. I think that they convince him, hey, things are getting really bad with this impeachment inquiry. Things are looking really bad for you. You can't even take the regular stairs. You stumble on the kitty ones. I think they convince him, hey, you just say you want to spend more time with your family. You're a loving father and grandfather and you're going to step aside. And then it's, oh, you know, you're going to step aside and make way for Kamala. And then that's when Kamala says, oh, you know, I've decided to go back to the Senate because I'm more effective in California fighting for the people. I don't want to be vice president. And then I think you see Gavin Newsom just charge in to save the day. And it's going to be, oh, me? I didn't know that, you know, if I have to, I'll step up and, and I will, my patriotic duty will be fulfilled. So I think that's how it happens. It's got to happen soon. But I said before, I thought by Halloween, I'm holding on to that. The holiday season, I'm thinking before Thanksgiving, we're going to see this start to take take shape. Tommy, good luck on the travel. I just saw a video of ankle-deep water at LaGuardia Airport in New York City. I'm not sure if you're going to be able to get out or not, but good luck. For people out there who are interested in watching your show and or following you, how would you tell people to do that? All over social media, at Tommy Laren, and then, of course, Outkick.com. Tommy Laren is fearless, and I always appreciate it, Clay. Good stuff. She is uh, a rock star. Thanks, Tommy. Good luck on the travel. If you don't follow Tommy, I, I think, and you like this show, I think you would really, really like what Tommy puts out there on a day-to-day basis. She's fearless. Um, and there are so many people out there that are terrified to say what they actually think. Um, I met Tommy years ago going on her show, and fearlessness is so rare uh, that 
I just I, I find it to be eternally successful because what people really want is authenticity and true opinions, and you get them so rarely. She does a great job of putting them out there every day. Uh, we'll take your calls to close out the Friday edition of the program, 800-282-2882. There's one college I can think of that operates without taking a single penny from the federal government. Most colleges and universities accept millions of dollars a year, if not tens of millions of dollars in federal funds, not Hillsdale College. They pride themselves on being self-sufficient and without being beholden to the Department of Education, they're empowered to determine their own curriculum. That allows them to include courses like Constitution 101, for instance. That's a full semester course that allows students to really learn the nuances and brilliance of our nation's most referred to document. For those of us that don't go to Hillsdale College, they'll send you copies of our Constitution for free. That way, when someone cites the 13th Amendment, for instance, you have something easy to refer to. You may remember Hillsdale's goal is to give away 1 million copies to Americans who don't have one. And if you do have one, how about someone you know who doesn't? So to claim your own free copy of the Constitution or to give one away, go to clayandbuckforhillsdale.com. Shipping's free too. Get your copy, clayandbuckforhillsdale.com. That's clayandbuckforhillsdale.com. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.